0: Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the Gospel. The Gospel of our Lord according to Matthew. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks to God. You may be seated. Please pray with me. Gracious and loving God, we pray for your fresh anointing to preach what it is that you would have me say. We ask that you would grace our ears and our hearts that they may be open to hear what it is that you speak to each of us individually. Bless our collective thinking and experience. Let it all be to your glory and to the blessing of your kingdom. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jim, I appreciate the singing of that song. When I first came to Richmond Hill back in 2000, We sang that song so much during the first year that I was here we began to call it the Richmond Hill anthem, the one we just sang, (laughs) hey Sue, hey Sue. (laughs) So it's been a while, it's been a while since we sang that song but I've always appreciated it and it was very instrumental in the early life of Richmond Hill so I thank God for that. This text tonight is the third consecutive week that our gospel lesson has been devoted to Jesus' instructions to his disciples as he prepares to send them out on a mission. And I believe if we recall a verse from a lesson about four weeks ago, it will help us grasp and appreciate more fully the far-reaching blessing of this brief three-verse lesson. In Matthew nine thirty-seven, if you recall, we find these words, Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore the Lord of the harvest, so therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Much of who we are called to be, and the faith we are called to live as disciples of Jesus Christ, is seen all through these brief verses. As a community of believers called to pray for the coming of God's kingdom in metropolitan Richmond, it is good to keep in mind that Jesus evidently intends that his disciples become a part of the answer to the prayers they pray. For after asking them to pray for laborers to go into the harvest, At the beginning of chapter 10, we find Jesus sending them out. The disciples were to act as ambassador servants of Jesus, extending his ministry, proclaiming the same good news and performing the same good works of healing that he was doing. Jesus further makes it clear that his disciples are to share his vulnerability and life of simplicity taking with them no money or extra clothing, and depending solely on the hospitality of others for shelter and sustenance. Therefore, it seems the context in which we are to view the words of the ambassadors, the works of the ambassador-servant of God, is one of high risk. And given them their marching orders, Jesus warns that they will face persecution tells them not to fear the one who killed the body, but rather fear God who has power over body and soul. He assures them of God's love, promised to acknowledge them before God if they would acknowledge him before the people, and warns them that he did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He has called them to a spiritual war zone. And as Bob Hetherington would say, Jesus reminds us all that we cannot dare underestimate the the power of darkness in our midst. The ambassador of Jesus Christ is always taking risk for Christ. And therefore, when Jesus promises rewards to those who welcome or receive a prophet, a righteous person, or one of his little ones, Just like the called-out servant of Christ, they too are taking risks. In addition to providing food and clothing and shelter and money to God's servants, they are demonstrating their own personal support of Christ Jesus. In this text, Matthew is not just recalling Christ's instructions to his first disciples, but he is also speaking to all the generations of disciples who follow. There is still a need to send out laborers into the harvest. Every time I pick up the paper or turn on the news, I am reminded that there is still a need to send ambassadors out beyond the church walls into the world. And those who are sent will still need to recognize their vulnerability and their dependence on the goodness of others and ultimately their dependence on the provisions of God. You know, there are far-reaching implications of the kind of servanthood we find in this text. When I first looked at it and saw these three verses, and I'm saying, where is the sermon going to come from in this? But those servanthood it has its challenges, it also involves rewards and blessings, not only to the sent out servant, but also to those who are hospitable enough to serve them, to receive them, humble enough to honor them, and compassionate enough to serve them. As I began working on this message, I said to myself, that this sounds like the beginning of a stewardship message. But as I continue to reflect on the things that I was hearing within myself in all of this, I am convinced that the message is intended to be encouragement to those on the front line who might be growing weary and well-doing, as well as a shout out of thanks to all who continue to support and encourage those who have responded to the call to be an ambassador-servant. And I especially want to give a shout out to those who support and encourage this community of Richmond Hill, as we do all we can to live out this mission to promote the healing of Metropolitan Richmond. A few days ago, Keisha and I were talking about the commitment to hospitality here at Richmond Hill. And in the course of the conversation, she made the comment that, you know, we have this hospitality thing nailed down. (laughs) Subsequently, as I was reflecting on this text, I was reminded that hospitality is not just something being offered by this community, but it is all around us and in various ways there are far-reaching blessings for those who are hospitable enough to welcome the ambassador-servant of God. You know, here at Richmond Hill, we define hospitality as living one's life in service of others and a commitment to welcome guests in love and in the spirit of prayer. And in this text of those who responded to the ambassador-servant, Jesus says... Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. One of the blessings of this text is Jesus reminds us that we don't have to work as hard as we sometimes think we do to convince people that we need their support. What Jesus lays out in this brief text is a four-way partnership in the work of God-inspired servanthood a partnership between God, Jesus, the ambassador servant, and the host disciple. Jesus is, is revealing for us God's plan for, for provisioning ministry. The one who receives the ambassador servant is, in essence, receiving the one who sent them. It's exciting to know that when someone is supporting and encouraging me, that they're doing it for Christ as well. That's encouraging. And we have the promise that as we live out our call as the sent out ones, God through Christ Jesus takes care of the provisions. If we do our part faithfully, we can count on God doing God's part, including moving on the heart and the hearts of other believers. You know, we see this promise lived out in our own lives quite often here at Richmond Hill. There are those among us who support us and provide for us in many ways to ease the burden of our living and our work. There are those who volunteer to help with the ministry on a day-to-day basis, support us financially, and some who just show up to do whatever. Not because of our own doing, but because God has sent them our way. Right now, we have two interns working with us this summer. And while they came as volunteers through their academic assignments, they are not only enthusiastic about being here and enthusiastic about doing what they're doing, but they are doing a great job. They have another, and we have another volunteer who is doing a much needed revamping of our database system, doing what she loves doing, doing it in a way that is going to be, produce what we need in a shorter period of time than we had envisioned, and she's doing it on a pro bono basis. We serve a God who provides, who uses others to encourage the heart. A God who opens doors of hospitality that are not always physical, but experienced as hospitality of the heart. And you know, I'm just waiting to see what God is going to do in their lives because they have been such a blessing to us. That I was reminded even as I was preparing this message of the promise that God made to Abraham during Abraham's sojourning here on earth, I will bless those who bless you. God not only blessed those who are hospitable to God's ambassador servants, but there is the promise of reward to those who humble themselves before God's servants. The text says, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Now, while Jesus commends hospitality in any form and at any time, in this particular context, Jesus is not concerning, hospitality, concerning himself with hospitality in a general sense, but hospitality to ambassador servants. It's the use of the phrase in the name of that makes the application specific. In the name of is another way of saying because one is. So the hospitality that has been offered, the welcome that has been extended is because the welcomed person is a prophet. Because the welcome person is a righteous person, or because the, righteous, the disciple of Jesus Christ is a disciple. And it takes humility to welcome someone simply because of who they are or who they represent. In our rule of life here at Richmond Hill, we define humility as living one's life in perspective and a commitment to assess and honor one's own gifts and those of others. And there is no humility involved if we can only be present to people who show up looking like us, dressed the way we want them dressed, or speaking the way we want them speaking, or having the resources to support what we need. It takes humility to say to ourselves that this is a servant of God, who has the gifts and the skills and the, and the talents that will be beneficial not only to us, but to the kingdom of God. That this is a servant sent to represent the God of the universe. It takes humility to, to receive a servant of Christ that doesn't meet our personal standards. Here at Richmond Hill, we find ourselves in another phase of transition right now, completing annual discernments, for those who have been a part of this community for the past year, and preparing to receive new members into the community in the fall. And part of the humility we are called to here is not unlike the humility any one of you might be called to should you decide to extend hospitality to a servant of God in your own home. There are costs associated with welcoming and supporting the ambassador servants God sent our way. And there are two Old Testament stories that are very instructive for helping us to understand how costly helping a servant of God can be. And they also speak to how blessings come our way even in the face of opposition. The first story is found in 1 Kings 17. It's the story of the widow of Zarephath. Though she was expected to die of hunger, she honored Elijah's request for a morsel of bread with what little flour she had left. And after Elijah had invoked God's promise that her food supply would not fail, she complied with his request. And as a consequence, her job meal was never empty, and neither did her job or fail. And later, when her son died, Elijah restored him to life. And the second story is very much like the first, found in 2 Kings 4, 8 through 37. It's the story of the Shunammite family who provided food and a comfortable room for Elisha simply because he was a holy man of God. As a reward, the, children, the childless couple was blessed with a child. The child grew up, and then the child died, but, but Elisha restored life to the child even by casting his own body upon the child. Like the family in these two stories, sometimes the cost is financial. It is no small matter to attend to the needs of other people, people who have to have food, a place to sleep, and money to cover increased household expenses or living expenses. Sometimes the cost is personal, Inviting new people to live in your home can no doubt be stressful. Most homes have just enough room for the people who already live there. Fitting additional people may involve sleeper sofas being set up, sleeping bags, or turning living rooms into bedrooms, or giving up some degree of personal space and personal privacy. And it can be personal also because it requires us to give up holding on to our world's view of God's servant and accepting the one who shows up as truly being who God is and who God wants to be in our midst. Another cause may be the danger of exposing ourselves to conflict like the ladies in these two stories that I just shared at one point each of them found themselves in conflict with the prophet and Matthew recalls Jesus's warning to the disciples they could that they could expect opposition they could expect persecution and simply because of differing world views host families can easily find themselves caught in the crossfire of opposition Matthew helps us to put into perspective how important humility is not only in honoring those whom God has sent but also in honoring God's intentions for the economy of the kingdom In Matthew 25:40 the rewarding of those who blesses the ambassador servant by feeding the hungry or giving drink to the thirsty and the other things that are listed there Jesus says most certainly, I tell you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters, or some translation says, my little ones, you did it to me. And whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly, I tell you, none of these will lose their reward note the phrase little ones surely Christ is acknowledging the vulnerability of his ambassador servants one can't help but be vulnerable when they don't have their own when they are dependent on others when they are subject to ambiguity day in and day out One is surely vulnerable when the word of God comes to you as it did to Jesus' disciples. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. At the beginning of this discourse, Jesus sends his disciples in mission without any means of support or defense, no gold or money, no bag, no change of clothes, not even a staff or sandals. They are completely dependent, first on God, and then on the hospitality of the communities that receive them. Their vulnerability and dependence is the key to the success of the mission. A cup of cold water is one of the smallest gifts that any one of us can give, and any one of us is able to do that. God's design for God's ambassador servant mission created a space for everyone to participate. Sometimes our lack of financial resources can be an excuse for thinking that we can't do much to help support the work of the kingdom. A cup of cold water is precious to a person who's thirsty. In the game of life, it's not uncommon to find those who would prefer to be out front, to be on top, to be the coach or the quarterback. But this text helps us to see that the heart of our Lord is no less attentive to the water boy or the water girl who sits on the sidelines. Providing a cup of water is a valid vocation in the sight of God. The promise is that the person who welcomes a prophet receives a prophet's reward. The person who welcomes a righteous person receives a righteous person's reward. And even when you serve one of the little ones and ordinary disciples you're not going to lose a thing. No contribution is too small to get God's attention. There is no question that Christ will reward kindness and compassion to any vulnerable person. But once again, I remind us that in this particular passage of Scripture, our Lord is reminding us of compassion to the servant ambassador. And in closing, yes, there are far-reaching blessings in godless servanthood, no matter where you are or where you stand in the kingdom of God. There are far-reaching blessings in the good news for us in these brief three verses It is a blessing to know that we have the assurance that those of us who have not seen Jesus in human incarnation are at no disadvantage to those who did. Like them, we shall also be rewarded for our service to Christ. It is a blessing to know that we have the assurance that our modest circumstances do not limit our potential rewards, The person of ordinary means and the person of great means are promised equal rewards. Both the ordinary and the powerful are promised the same reward for their hospitality. It is a blessing to know that we are not required to be great saints in the the eyes of humankind. All we have to do is be willing to serve those who are viewed as great saints, We have only to be humble enough to show the hospitality to such a saint or offer the smallest of gifts to the littlest or most vulnerable of all disciples. Just as God knows and cares about every hair on our heads, God also knows every generous act on behalf of the faithful servant. It's a blessing to know that those of us who are publicly engaged in the Lord's work are assured that those who help are promised the same reward as we are. Doesn't matter whether you're clergy or layperson, preacher or janitor, we're all promised the same reward. And it's a joy for all of us to be working together in the kingdom of God. The person receiving is blessed, but so is the person who's giving. Ultimately, it's a blessing to know that in these far reaching blessings, there are yet, and I repeat, yet rewards which no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart has conceived, but are those things which God has prepared for those who love and serve God. Amen.